0: Diving, hope comes and stops us in our tracks, bravely we prove in our striving,
1: trudging together each day, where there's a will, there's a way. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller Uh, today I have a guest that uh, from uh, his name is his name is Angel and um, I was introduced to Angel through a good friend of mine Carrie um, who you guys are getting to know better and better not gonna be long before she's on here talking with me Um, she's probably a lot funnier and she's prettier than me so that helps a lot too maybe we could go to video (laughs) so i would like to introduce angel i'm very excited about this because i don't know much about angel so i'm going to be discovering um right along with you guys and i usually don't have that um so i'm going to introduce angel uh the one thing that i do know is that he has 582 days of continuous sobriety today uh and i love celebrating recovery so everybody out there give a nice round of applause and let's welcome Angel. Angel, welcome to Raw Recovery, man. It's good to have you. Hi, Dean. Glad to be here, man. Thank you. Certainly. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, uh, did you grow up in Colorado?
0: No, I grew up in uh, New Jersey. I was okay. uh, I was born and raised in Atlantic City, New Jersey, about wow. ten minutes walk from the beach. Ooh. And uh, you know, when I came here to Colorado when I was twenty-one, I fell in love with the mountains. But mm-hmm. uh, I do miss the beach every once in a while
1: yeah and he's got a picture behind him of the beach so he, he's remind, we're going to sit here and just look at the beach maybe do some meditation <laughs> well so uh how old were you when you moved here to colorado so i
0: was 21 um oh, you just I, said that so yeah i started i started uh college back in uh in uh in new jersey at a community college i knew that i wanted to be a doctor for since i was very young okay. and um my my educational path was kind of pre-planned for me. My dad was a professor at a community college out there in New Jersey, and right. I just kind of knew that I was going to go to that school to start. And then uh, I ended up picking Colorado for, uh, to finish my four-year degree. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. So what
1: was family life like for you growing up?
0: You know, it was hard. Uh, I have a little brother. He's two years younger than me. Uh, my parents are immigrants from the Philippines. And, right. um They brought some old-school values with them. When they came mm-hmm. to the United States in the seventies, uh, they also brought some old school forms of discipline. If okay. you know what I mean. Uh, my dad was very uh, hands on. He was he was a physically abusive and mentally abusive man, and okay. I think that's where uh, some of my um, mental health issues were rooted. Okay. Uh, in in the way that I was raised, sure. actually. Um, it was about when I was in eighth grade or so when I thought that I, I felt like I was different from other kids. Yeah, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like, um, I just didn't, uh, get along with other people. And I, I just felt like I was different. Something was different. And okay. it was in, in high school that I realized that I have been suffering from, uh, a form of chronic depression, like a low grade depression, but depression okay. nonetheless. Sure. And so, uh, when I was in eighth grade, uh, it wasn't surprising when I was introduced to things like cigarettes and pot and um, yeah. I, uh, I saw it a different feeling because I didn't yeah. want to feel depressed anymore. So I wanted to feel uh, numbed out or um, just not depressed. You know? yeah. uh, and uh, along with that came the... Um, the, uh, the camaraderie with other people. Like, you know, yeah. I was, I was hanging like I was a skater. I, I hung out with the skaters and, you know, the other bad boys from yeah. around town or the neighboring towns, like we'd smoke our cigarettes and hide yeah. behind the, uh, the school and smoke pot or whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, I felt I, like I belonged. and I, I felt like uh, I was part of something. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny in high school, I really didn't, uh, I didn't uh, gravitate towards alcohol much. Okay. Um, even though I know, like, I remember the first time I tried alcohol was with an ex girlfriend. Uh, we were at a friend's house and her mom had, was, a, her mom was away and they had okay. a bottle of peach schnapps. Uh, man, I'll tell you, it was like sickeningly sweet, but yeah. we wanted to get messed up so bad that we still, we just choked it down. Oh, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was terrible, man. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, high school, I, I wasn't really, that's social, even though, okay. you know, in, in college, I found that alcohol helped me socially. Um, I I was more of a, a pothead in, in high school. Okay. And then when I went to college, I came out here to uh, uh, Fort Collins to go to college. And, okay. Uh, it was, it was, it was really fun. I, uh, I got to meet a lot of people working as a bouncer at a bar. And okay. my bar was a, was a, it was a brewery. All right. And uh, I kind of forced myself into that position. One of my friends was a bouncer, and he asked me if I wanted to, to work at work the same job. And I thought how cool it would be, but, you know, here I am, like, you know, self-conscious and, uh-huh. you know, not, not feeling very – and feeling kind of socially awkward. So I thought, you yeah, know, maybe it'll be good for me. And it was good for me. Like, I, I met a lot of people. I got to get out of my own skin for a little yeah. while there. And another perk was um, we had a kegerator at home, and I was able to get yeah. microbrew kegs oh, for oh, pretty oh. cheap. Yeah. So we would get kegs like on a Friday and then, you know, have a rager on Friday night party mm-hmm. through Saturday and then finish it off on Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: But, um, <clears throat> you know, for me, um, I tried a lot of different, uh, a lot of different drugs when I was in uh, college and, and okay. high school, I was doing like, I tried LSD and mushrooms, really liked mushrooms, um, like ecstasy. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, it, it wasn't until later in college that I had tried harder stuff like uh, cocaine. A friend of mine had, okay. uh, had bought a bag and a bunch of them were standing around at my friend's house and I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing cocaine. And I thought to myself, whoa, okay, you have some drug experience, <laughs> like, but maybe maybe you shouldn't go this route
1: yeah, uh, because,
0: you know, I know that it's... You know it can be very dangerous but mm-hmm. you know, i ignored i ignored the little voice in my head and i was like let's go party let's have fun and and i did i had some fun and i never bought my own bag and everything was was you know it, it, it was like the i felt the um the elation or the okay the, uh the the happiness of of being drunk and sociable. I was a happy drunk. Yeah. I wasn't an angry drunk that liked to fight. I was like a happy drunk. where I was everybody's best friend. And that's which is way. good
1: because you're a big guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I kind of felt that way on when yeah. I was doing cocaine too. Um, but I never got my own bag. I always let other people buy it. And I okay. just wanted to stay away from it. And um, <clears throat> I went to... Uh, so in other words, I felt like I had my drinking and my drugging under control
1: okay. because i was
0: able to like i since i was working towards becoming a doctor and getting into medical school you have to jump off through all these hoops and i figured uh well if i'm going to school and working two jobs and getting good grades then you know my drinking and drugging can't be all that bad because i'm able to maintain like an and like just sub part like sub a average like a 37 yeah. average and things like okay. that and and still make it to work and and you know stay functional um, All right. and, uh, so I went to grad school and I was smoking pot every day back then, by the way, I was living oh, with uh, some friends that, uh, <clears throat> one of my buddies was a hippie and he was really into like those jam <laughs> bands and we, we would jam out and, mm-hmm. you know, just have a party and you know, smoke from his dragon, his bowl, dragon bowl. Yeah. Anyway, um, when I got to grad school, I realized that I couldn't maintain the behaviors that I was, mm-hmm. uh, that I was participating in and, and uh, continue to get good grades because things kind of got ramped up a notch. It wasn't just undergrad anymore. And so uh, I decided I would uh, just smoke pot at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. When I, if If I went to work, if I went to classes and I did all my studying, if I went to work out, at the end of the day, right before I go to sleep, I'd have a bowl. So then I could just kind of relax. It was like mm-hmm. a reward and it worked yeah. out pretty well for me, honestly. And uh,
1: okay. I was
0: able to keep things under control in that way. Um, but then uh, at the end of the, the term, I had to take these tests mm-hmm. there were four hour tests and I, my concentration needed to be on point. So I just quit everything altogether. Okay. And that's how, that's kind of how it stayed for me until I got to medical school. Okay. And, um, so I was kind of like uh, an, an addict um who was treating his depression with um with drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. and i was going to therapy i was taking medications but none of that stuff was working for me okay the uh the self-medicating i felt like was working for me okay and so um when i went to medical school i removed all my substances all those substances for my life um except alcohol when we uh we would go through different uh, testing periods. So we would say, go through three weeks of hardcore schooling. And then we'd have a week of all tests. And then okay. after that week of tests, a bunch of us would go out and mm-hmm. we'd rage and we'd have like a whole, there would be a lot of drinking. We would yeah. just have a big binge. And uh, that weekend we would recover and uh, then back to the grind the next day. <clears throat> so I did that for, um, for, for, for the four years of medical school. And wow. uh, one year uh on the the fourth year of medical school um i was uh i came home one day and uh one of my roommates had one of his buddies over and they were doing coke Um, and i was like oh wow a little visitor from the past and i was like i remember how fun this was and they're like hey you want to play and i'm like yeah i do and i i really thought not nothing much of it and uh um i started i i I partook and, you know, got high. I tried to play my guitar and it was really weird. My hands weren't working really well. So uh-huh. I wasn't able to play my guitar, but I was like, fuck it. I, it feels really good. I I don't care that I can't move my hands as well as I used to. I'm just having a good time right now with my friends. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, I'm going to this weekly uh, poker game with uh-huh. a bunch of guys that um, probably shouldn't have been hanging out with, but they were able to get me the stuff I was looking for. Great. And um, <clears throat> so, um, it started out splitting a bag with somebody, and I would get a mm-hmm. uh, we'd get an eighth and split it, and then I would hold that half an eighth for the week, and it would last me a week, and then you know the story. Next okay. thing I know, I've got a I've got a bag of my own for that night. Yep, and that's it. You know, and it, it now, just, and now you're buying up. it, and I'm not buying it by myself. Yep, so. yep. And so uh, I got a monkey on my back really, really quickly. And, uh, you know, with the stress of medical training and things like that, it was a nice escape to just go home and numb out, but, Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't long before, um, you know, the side effects would creep into my daily life. And so, you know, being hung over or strung out at work, um, when I'm trying to take care of patients or learn how to take care of patients, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not very conducive to my learning. Number one, number two, it's not very safe for the people that I'm supposed to be taking care of. And, um, I, I thought I was getting away with it. And I, I feel yeah. like I, I was people, people knew something was going on, but, sure. um, uh, no issues were really brought up. And, um, I, I started residency, um, back in 2007. All right. I was a, uh, a surgery resident wow. and, um, I brought the monkey on my back with me into residency
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it was really difficult because it's an 80 hour work week and uh you know the day starts at five in the morning and goes to five o'clock seven o'clock at night and we're in the operating room all day and Mm -hmm. back on the floors checking on patients at the end of the day then i'd go home and i'd want to relax and by relax i mean i want to kick my feet up and do some coke (laughs) Coke. and then next thing i know uh you know it's two three o'clock in the morning and then i didn't get any sleep and Mm so i'm supposed to be at work again like in two hours like what the hell and so like i'm i'm all all messed up and uh uh, one this went on for a few weeks, and uh-huh. one day uh, I was in the uh, the bathroom at the hospital, and I was blowing my nose really hard. And they knew yeah. something was going on. You know, I was sure. I was a pretty good bullshitter, but you know, these these doctors are pretty smart people, yeah. and, <laughs> and they know uh, they know what to look for. Apparently, and so I uh, you know, as good as I was with fooling, trying to fool other people or thinking mm-hmm. I was fooling other people, you know, I was really fooling myself more than yep. anything. And uh, they said, you know what, man? We're going to have to take you off the floor and get evaluated. So they sent me to get evaluated, and um, I took these tests, these E mm-hmm. tests. And being the smart guy that I am, knowing how these tests work, I was able to um, to fool the tests for a little while. Yep. And um, I uh, I was out of work maybe for three weeks or so doing the evaluations, and you know they gave me a chance to kind of clean my act up, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> And uh, I I use it as an opportunity. It's a party, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, because I I had spent my whole life getting into med school and then getting through med school mm-hmm. and graduating, and then, man, it's a lot of freaking work. Like it is. It's, it's it's a it's so much dedication, so much concentration, and a lot of sacrifice. And I felt like you know what I deserve to just chill the fuck out and mm-hmm. enjoy this time, not realizing my career was on in peril. Yeah. And probably uh, never even came to your mind. I didn't even think about it, man. Yeah. Um, so uh, one day I, uh, I remember calling the people who were evaluating me and say, hey, so I don't – I was in the middle of a binge, by the way, like a three-day binge. Yeah. And I was like, when am I supposed to see these people again? So I called them, left a message, and they called me back on Monday, and they said, uh, yeah, you're supposed to come in today. And here I am, like day three after a three-day binge, and I'm like, uh, there's no way I can get in there. Yeah. But I knew that if I didn't go in, it would be a bad thing, so I ended mm-hmm. up going. And they obviously saw the state of me and they were like, wow, you know what? You can't, no, you're not driving your car. Mm -hmm. They they took my keys and they sent me home and they're like, well, what do we do with this guy? They sent me, they sent me to rehab. And, um, (laughs) which it was, uh, it was a good thing. They sent me to rehab. I needed (laughs) it. Um, I didn't think so at the time. Um, and, uh, I, I was in isolation at first. Oh, they put me in uh, detox and okay. stayed by myself in my own room for a, for a week, and then oh. they slowly introduced me into the uh, the general society the, the the general social order there, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, uh, I was able to. I was able to go to the kitchen whenever I wanted. And I had lost a lot of weight. I wasn't okay. really taking care of myself, and they're like, you know, go to the kitchen, eat whenever you want, go out and hang out in the common rooms, that's fine, but you don't have to go to any meetings or any group mm-hmm. meetings or anything like that. So after a week went by, um, I went to the uh, <clears throat> to one of the group meetings, and they were gonna get me back into they're going to get me into the uh the general social structure and okay i was like okay you know i guess i'm ready for that i was feeling i was feeling better i still was craving like really bad i really yeah. wanted to go out and use and um I was like you know this is where i need to be right now mm-hmm. and uh i remember going into this room uh to this uh group group meeting and one of the counselors was was talking to me. I don't know what kind of method he was trying to use, but he made me feel worse <laughs> Okay. walking out of there than I did coming in. I and mean, he was pointing his finger at me saying, you're an addict, you're this, you're that and blah, blah, blah. And okay. I felt like shit. I felt like, like, so, uh, uh, I felt minuscule really. Yeah. Like low, I like,
1: really low, I felt really shamed. low,
0: shame, very shamed, very shamed. And I didn't have, um, <clears throat> I didn't have any hope at that point. And I mm, said, well, if I, if, if I'm feeling like, I, uh, I'm feeling worse. Like I really want to use number one. And mm-hmm. I, I know I can walk out that door at any time. Yeah. Not really thinking about the consequences, but I know that door is open if I want to go. And, yeah. uh, and I'm like, you know, screw this. I, I don't want to be feeling this bad, especially mm-hmm. without my drug of choice to help me cope with it. And, uh, I asked for my guitar. I brought my guitar to to play and that was one of okay. my healthy, one of my healthy behaviors. You know, certainly. Like, yeah. To cope. And uh, they said, no, you can't have it. I'm like, well, why can't I can't have it. That's one of my healthy coping mechanisms. <clears throat> and uh, that was the last straw for me, man. They wouldn't let me have yeah. my guitar. I'm like, peace out. Fuck mm-hmm. you guys. I'm out of here. And um, so I was on my way out and they, uh, they actually called one of the other residents in my program. Okay. Who had been through that rehab. <clears throat> okay. And they said, uh, you know, maybe you can talk to this guy for a little while and see what mm-hmm. you think about his story. Mm-hmm. So he came in and he told me about his, his experience um, and his struggles with alcohol and how he had found uh, the solution. Okay. I uh, went through, went through rehab there at this facility. And uh, what I didn't realize at the time is that this gentleman sitting in fort before me was in the same place and is under a very similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. And he's working as a doctor today oh, wow. at that time, okay. you know, so I'm like, awesome. that, that didn't, crossed my mind though all i could okay. think about was let me grab my guitar get the fuck out of here and go okay and so that's what i did yeah I, I wasn't ready to hear the message and so um what ensued was uh 13 years of hardship 12 years yeah. of hardship and uh i started that off with a year and a half long binge, uh, month sorry month and a half long binge where i would buy a bag maybe some alcohol and mm-hmm. i would go for three days you know, obviously I got fired from my job, so I had nothing to do. Yeah. I had a little money in my bank account. So, you know, might as well burn through it and get fucked up and get numb. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I just spent my whole life, um, working towards this goal. I finally get to this thing and, you know, it wasn't what I expected. I was very stressed out and, um, I, I really wanted to get numb. I wanted to Mm -hmm. escape and forget about it. And the easiest way to do that was to do cocaine and lots of it. And, uh, so I would go three days and then, fall asleep or fall asleep i'd wake up and then if there was some something there then i would use it or i would call Mm -hmm. my dealer right away and that kept on going for like a month and a half and in the middle of that um i was uh i was trying to meet some new people to hang with and party with and i met this lady who taught me how to make crack so that was like it was off to the races i was off to the races man that was exactly that's exactly what I didn't need, but I thought I needed it at the time just to bring my use to a next level. And,
1: uh, well, doing it is one thing, making it for yourself that's entirely different. That takes a skill set, a very smart skill set. And that can yeah. be for somebody that's smart. I mean, you don't become a doctor because you're not intelligent. I mean, that's just we know that. So, in this situation, a doctor it's almost like we're starting to listen to the story of breaking bad now or something here so uh, that just really scared me and i wanted to bring that up not scared me but i could i could feel that i could feel it in your voice
0: well you know what was scary is um you know i you know i I did have a lot of chemistry experience i was two classes short of getting a major in chemistry Mm -hmm. and i figured out how to make crack with ammonia not with just regular baking soda ammonia is a stronger Chemical and mm-hmm. the crack that it makes is much more potent. And experienced crack users would use it and would say, "Wow, this is the best stuff I've ever had." Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, "Well, right." And, you know I felt some pride in that, believe it or not. Sure, and, you did. Um,
1: yeah, I get that. I get that.
0: You and, know uh, You know I, my
1: stuff's the best. I am who <laughs> I am. Of course. <laughs> right. Feed my ego more. Right. Sure.
0: Exactly. And so, um you know, it was to the races for me, and um, before I know it, I, uh, you know, there was. You know, I had I was in the deepest, darkest, most isolated place I'd ever been in my life. I, I wasn't leaving the house um really except to go to the liquor store, go to the dealers, or mm-hmm. go to the supermarket. And the supermarket visits were very few and far between. And I was so isolated that um I was kind of grateful that I didn't have to talk to the checkout person at mm-hmm. King Supers when they put in the uh the self checkout counters. I was like, wow, this is great. I don't have to, I that's one less person I got to talk to. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, I felt so, uh, so alone and so hopeless. I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know what the hell to do about it. Mm
1: -hmm. People would
0: call me on my cell phone and I would have, uh, numbers come up on or names, come up on my caller ID, whether it was a friend or if it was my parents. And I, and I wanted so badly to pick up that phone and say, Hey, you know, I need help. I just couldn't do it. I was I was mm-hmm. too proud. I was too ashamed. And um I felt like uh I was in my own hell and I wouldn't wish this feeling on the uh on my worst enemy. It mm-hmm. it was just not something that anybody should experience. That that kind of desperation and loneliness. And thank God I wasn't suicidal at the time. Um mm-hmm. uh, because that that would have been a very dark place. I had been suicidal in other parts of my life, but thankfully not sure. at this point um so i a- actually ended up meeting a woman on uh, one of the dating sites online when that first started getting popular and i was <laughs> okay. living in denver she was living in colorado springs and um i asked her if i could stay with her for a little while so i can get the hell away from denver and she let me stay there and so i ended up moving in with her and we <laughs> had a relationship that lasted mm, seven or eight years wow but you know the uh the the beautiful thing about that was i was she, she uh i was able to get away from the uh from the uh i guess the daily lifestyle that i was living where yeah. it was like you know i was able to break that <clears throat> that routine yeah right that cycle. And so that cycle exactly and so she gave me that gift and uh you know to this wow. day we're very good friends and i, <laughs> I am grateful for her um uh, for helping to save my life And, uh, you know, during those eight years, I, the first six years of those eight years, I, um, I was, I was drinking a little bit and I might've done cocaine a couple times the first two months or crap. And then I was just dry after that. I didn't have a program. I was, uh, I I was just kind of existing for a while. I I needed to start getting, keeping busy. And so what I did was, uh, started playing PlayStation games and, (laughs) <laughs> ended up joining a gaming clan and okay. We uh we kind of kicked ass. We uh we were really good uh a bunch of players and uh, I started learning how to cook and starting to like, you know, re explore life and things like that. And things okay. were things were things were okay. I was I was working as a um, working for a contractor as like a drywall guy or I would do paint little odd jobs here and there okay I volunteered at uh I was trying to get myself back into the swing of things and like you know I wanted to go back to medicine and I was still trying to actually figure it out to be honest um do I really want to go back into medicine or not do I uh do I want to explore other things and I, I I volunteered as a medical assistant at a free medical clinic which was really cool and I got to take care of the uh, doctor's patients with him and he allowed me to participate in some of the discussions and things like uh-huh. that, was really awesome. And uh <clears throat> I did that for a little while. And then um one day I I was feeling really like I said, I didn't have a program. I was I was starting to feel my depression creep back in again. It was getting worse. Like I would have right. this low level depression. Okay. And every couple of years I would get this uh Deeper depression. would kind of go in cycles. And I was in New Jersey visiting my parents, and I was visiting a friend of mine who was holding some crack. And she said, uh, "Do you want to party?" She was like, "Do you want to party?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, the stars lined up perfectly because yeah. you know, after even after seven years or six years of not doing it, I was mm-hmm. like, let's let's go. Yep, we're and, we're away from home. Nobody knows. Nobody's gonna know nothing. Right. So." next thing I next thing I know I'm I'm back visiting old friends in Colorado mm-hmm. trying to score again. And uh, I, I re I reconnect with some old, um, contacts. Okay. And I wasn't doing it every day. I was a little bit more conservative with my use this time. It wasn't like an everyday th- day thing where I'm going like, you know, three days fall asleep, wake up, do it all over okay. again. It was, it was once a week. Right. And, um, I thought I had my, my, uh, Drugging under control, doing it once a week, and sure. I was at a—I was working at Lowe's as a paint guy at the time, actually. And I'll tell you, I was one of the best paint guys they ever had. It was—it uh, <laughs> was—it was, it was a good job for what it was, and I—you yeah. I, know—I really needed a job to you know maintain myself and things, and it helped me to pay my rent. And you know, every once in a while, I got to party. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what I didn't realize is that one day that I was using my the rest of the week the other six days would kind of revolve around that one day that Mm -hmm. I would plan for so I'd make sure that there was money in the bank I would make sure that I had the day off afterwards or you know I didn't have any other social obligations yeah and then um then the day would come and I would spend all week like it's it's like you know when I'm going on a trip to Hawaii next week all I can think about is going to Hawaii well I can think (laughs) about during the whole week is like my day of partying yeah and uh you know, I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed. And so the day would come and sometimes my dealer wouldn't be holding and I would either go scrape my pipes or grab a bottle of alcohol. I would get Mm. numb one way or another. And then Mm -hmm. he would call me the next day and say, Hey, I've got something. And I'm like, Oh, awesome. Well, I'm coming over, not even thinking, well, I have work the next day. Yep. So, um, I'm, uh, I end up no calling, no showing at work a few times, Mm -hmm. a handful of times and, you know, putting strain, putting strain on my coworkers and on the management. And, um, you know, I get written up for it and didn't get fired. Thank God. Uh, But, um, you know, that was the start of uh, my, my next chapter of using. Okay. And uh, one of my old buddies from medical school, he uh, ended up getting a job as one of the program directors at a local hospital. All right. And he said, Hey, listen, you know, well, I know that one of the reasons why he took that job was so he could help me get back in. All right. And um, he gave me an opportunity to come in interview and I got hired to get back um, in as a resident. Okay. Yeah. So um, because of my past, um, I had to get evaluated again. Sure. By the people who represented the medical board. Yeah. And um, so we did an interview. They asked me, oh, yeah, so how have things been going? You said that you were going to go to 12 Steps after your last gig, but you never – like, what happened with that? Um, mm-hmm. Have you been doing drugs? Are you doing cocaine now? And I'm like, no. No, I didn't go to AA, and no, I'm not doing cocaine. Everything's been great. But, you know, in reality, for the last two years,
1: mm-hmm. I've been
0: using once a week. Yeah. Uh, like an poll once a week. And um, I, uh, I went through the interview and, and thought I had him fooled, and they knew, they knew better. They, I mean, they knew, they knew. Yeah. So at the end of it, they're like, okay, well, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a test. And I was mm-hmm. ready for the piss test. I knew that I was going to piss clean. Yeah. And, um, they're like, we're going to take nails. Yeah. I,
1: was, I thought and it was going to be that or hair.
0: <laughs> I didn't know about the nail test, actually.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, nail tests go back nine months. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. Well, I'm screwed. I better just... <laughs> I might as well just let the cat out of the bag and let them know I've been using. Yeah. So I totally changed my tune. And I, I admitted, yeah, you know, I've been using a uh, little bit here yeah, and there. So I might I might come, I might score positive on the nail test. And uh, long story short, I wasn't able to get my training license because mm-hmm. I was positive for cocaine. And yeah. uh, they had to let me go from that job. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I had spent... was it 10 11 years 10 years uh trying to figure out what i wanted to do and find ways to get back in and finally Mm -hmm. had this opportunity by the grace of god and by you know the generosity of my friend Mm -hmm. and uh you know here i go fucking it up again so i screwed up with uh with drugs ruining my career or putting my career on hold rather not once Mm but twice yeah twice And so, um, well, what did I want to do about it? Well, I certainly didn't want to say, well, you know, I want to stop. (laughs) I wanted to get fucked up and, like, forget about it all. Yeah. And um, so that's what I did. I kept on getting fucked up. But then the people Mm who uh, evaluated me, they said, maybe you need to go to 12 steps. Go to an AA meeting See if that helps you. And I thought, well, if it'll save my career, then maybe I'll do that. And then I started seeing an addiction therapist. Okay. And he told me the same thing. <laughs> like, well, now there's two different groups of people telling me that maybe this thing could help me. Yeah. But, okay. Maybe. So, so I'll go check it out. So I go to an NA meeting and there was yeah. like three people there. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, I, I really didn't, didn't feel connected. And so I decided the following week I was going to check out another meeting. And so I found, a. Uh, an a meeting here in town. Okay. And, uh, it was a men's meeting
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they, uh, yeah, it was a men's meeting, a lot of old school sobriety guys with like five, 10, 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they 12 step me that night like ah. when they heard that I'm a doctor and I was trying mm-hmm. to get, get in, uh, get, get clean. Um, they 12 step me and I introduced myself as an addict. Yeah. So at the end of the meeting, a few gentlemen stayed behind and they pulled me aside and they said, Hey man, like we know what you're here for. But, yeah. Um, this is a closed meeting. You know, this is AA, this is a closed meeting. If you, if you want to stay and hang with us, you're going to have to catch our disease. So, mm-hmm. you know, so respect the house you're in, you know, and I identify yeah. myself as an alcoholic when I'm in an AA meeting now. Sure. And uh, it's, it's not a lie because, uh, alcohol certainly was part of my story. Oh, heck my yeah.
1: oh heck yeah. 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 Al- yeah. There was certainly an addiction to alcohol there. Yeah. It just, uh, the main focus was on something else, right? So it, it wasn't alcohol it it for you. yeah.
0: Right. So it wasn't alcohol that got me in the chair, but it was definitely part of my past. Certainly, yeah. So um, I found a sponsor, and uh, we started working the steps. And um, I guess uh, you know, it's funny that we did the steps and what the steps entailed, because I'd been asking my old therapists. My old therapist, mm-hmm. I was asking them to like go into my past and help me resolve some old issues, yeah, we never we never actually did that. we just kind of worried about uh handling current circumstances and not being anxious for the future and not being depressed yeah. over the past, yeah, and kind of managing the the right now, not really yeah de- the day to day right right exactly yeah and so um when we were doing the steps my um my sponsor said to me uh he re- he likes to relate things to me in a healthcare manner. He's like, "You know what? Uh, okay. Um imagine your disease is like cancer and we need to scrape every little ba- little bit of that cancer out and so uh you know, I we'll want you to, you know, go all the way with this. Scrape it all out. And that's kind of the uh the attitude that I had from the beginning, like I I found some willingness and then I eventually found some surrender when I, I started to hear my, like, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be there because I was there really for, (laughs) for the people that represent the medical board, you know, it wasn't for me. I wanted to save my career. It wasn't about me getting healthy for me. Finally, after decades of drinking and drugging Mm -hmm. and, and finding um, a different way to fill the hole in my soul, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was about um, trying to save my career. Yeah, And then slowly but surely after attending a few meetings, I, I started to realize like, well, you know, as scary as it was to walk into a room full of strangers and ask for help and even scarier mm-hmm. to follow their advice, I, I started to realize I was in the right place because mm-hmm. my story was being told by other people.
1: Yep.
0: And so maybe this thing could work for me if it worked for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so um, with that um, willingness, I, 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 and I, I found a little bit of acceptance for my past and I, I definitely found some surrender. I'm like, you know what? I've tried it my fucking way for so long and it didn't work. So yeah. let, me, let me ask these people for help and follow what is, whatever it is that they tell me to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like my sponsor tells me to uh, get down on my knees and pray on step three. I'm like, okay, you know, I grew up Catholic and I didn't really want to, um, get back into the religious side of things and okay. that's where that's where I thought uh, I was going to hit a roadblock with this. And, you know, speaking with my sponsees today, um, you know, several of them have had problems, you know, finding a, a definition of a higher power. And that, okay. that was certainly my experience too. All right. <laughs> but but um, yeah, thank God. I, I, I was able to find uh, a higher power to help me to. Angel.
1: Um, yes. Real quick. There you go. You were covering okay, up sorry. your mic. There you go. Oh, my bad. You're good. My bad.
0: <laughs> um, so I found my higher power, went through step four, and I I cleared the wreckage of my past, like they okay. say. I And I think the biggest part of that was I had to learn how to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I I remember uh, I was I was in a, around step four. I was in a meditation meeting, and I thought to myself, wow, man, you're your own worst enemy. You know that? Mhm. <clears throat> and I said, but you know, there was something else that popped into my head, and it was something from above. My higher power told me, yeah. you know what, you got that all wrong. You are actually your own best friend. Yeah. And I said, um, well, I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. That yeah. It wasn't something it. that I came up with myself, you know, yeah. it was something from outside of me that said, you got it all wrong. And I realized that I found a lot of uh, patience and compassion forgiveness,
1: mm-hmm. and love
0: for people that I don't even know. Yeah. But for myself, I love to beat myself up over the same old shit over yeah. and over and over again. And so I learned to, um, that was when I realized that, you know, I need to start loving myself yep. and forgiving myself and, mm-hmm. you know, accept the past. And it, it was what it was, but it helped me to get to where I am today. Yeah, And um, so I found acceptance there. And, you know, things started to turn around, especially after I did the work from in step four to five. And yep. we, uh, we went through the steps within like six or eight months mm-hmm. and um, you no, know, slowly, but surely uh, my life started to change. The, the sky was a little bit bluer, mm-hmm. the grass a little greener and I wasn't, you know, stuck in the future worried about the thousand different outcomes that could possibly happen and just mm-hmm. let it go to God. And I wasn't stuck in the past beating myself up over all these things that I regret. You know, what if I stayed in rehab after that one week? What if I didn't do this? What if I didn't mm-hmm. do that? Well, I don't. I don't think about that anymore. Yeah. And um, so today, I'm still going to meetings. I go to, I go to uh, about four or five meetings a week, and yep. I, I still chair meetings. I chair meetings um, a couple times, a few times a month, and then I have three sponsees right now. And uh, yeah, things are. You know, I, I deliver for Amazon today, and. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome job. I love being outside and I'm grateful that it's an opportunity that it, it gives, this job gives me the opportunity to, uh, I, since I work four days a week, I work four hour shifts. I have three days off. So I always have a three day weekend, which is pretty awesome.
1: Wow, that's good. Cool. And uh,
0: yeah, so it gives me a chance to like catch up on uh, adulting or, you know, working on um, <laughs> on taking uh, step four i yeah. start, sorry, step three of the medical boards. So I can kind of prove that my knowledge is current. So I'm kind of teaching myself again, wow. some of this medical stuff. and I'm for you, myself, man. Yeah, thanks. So in a, in a year, I'm going to try to, I'm going to take this test and um, try to get back in nice. with this, with, you know, concrete results that say, Hey, look, you know, I know it's been a while since I've been in the game, but you know, I passed this test that I'm not supposed to pass until after. My first year of residency yeah i'm passing it before so they can't tell me you know well <laughs> you don't have the knowledge of like well i have the knowledge obviously yeah. so so that's that's kind of part of my game plan and i'm also thinking about um going into get certified as a uh, uh addictions counselor Uh-huh. Uh, or maybe uh radiology tech i need to work with patients that's kind of where my my lifeblood is like yeah. I, I i feed off of helping other people and using my knowledge and talents and abilities. And Uh,
1: I think you'd be a really good recovery coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that when we're done. Okay. I'd be more than happy to, uh, let you know what it's like. Um, especially with your knowledge, I think you'd be a fantastic, um, recovery coach. The other reason I think you'd be a very good recovery coach is because you understand something, you know, we, as men have a little bit harder of a time, but we need to understand that we have to love ourselves first before we can love anybody else. Truly. Um, I love my wife to the ends of the earth, but I would do her a disservice if I didn't love myself first. Um, Um, well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, there were, there were a few things that you said. Number one, um, that somebody else was telling your story and your stories uh, is di- is a little bit different, but a lot of our same actions are the same. You know, I'm a weekend warrior. I hear that a lot. Um, you know, uh, we tend, we try, you know, but you know, I'm only using once a week, you know, but a drug is a drug it doesn't matter when you use it or yep. how often it's the addiction that, that comes with it. But that's why we come on here and, and let people tell their stories. Sooner or later you're going to hear a story that resembles you. Um right. and and that's what we're here for.
0: And so um, that's what I that's what I try to do in early recovery and what I continue to try to do today is um be relatable.
1: Mm-hmm. My
0: sponsor says always be learning. And I try to find the similarities, um, whether we're reading from the big book or when I'm listening to somebody's share, Mm -hmm. what is it that I, what, what, what is it that I resonate with? Yeah. Learn from. And, um, yeah, you know, my, my story is unique in its own way, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things that other people say, like, you you know, people talked about, uh, you know, I tried to, um, drink like a gentleman. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you smoke crack like a gentleman, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's, there's no way to do that. No. (laughs) Um, um, but, you know, th- there's a lot of behavioral patterns that, yes. that come to the surface, like mm-hmm. the shame of going to the same liquor store over and over again and, and finding different ones to buy my alcohol from mm-hmm. or um, collecting bottles and disposing them of a different way so the garbage men don't know that I'm, I'm drinking. Um, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, ways that I would try to, um, no, I'm really just lying to myself, not to anybody else yeah um, and it's it's, it, it's it's funny the mental energy that I would put into these behaviors so then I could mm-hmm. save my ego uh you know a hit but you know in the end I was just fooling myself yeah
1: and and it's funny because the ego was was so big that you thought you could fool a board of doctors right I mean our our disease will tell us it will tell us that it will they just it's a lie Okay. we are sitting in front of people that do this for a living thinking that we're going to fool them. And when, <laughs> when really right. we're just fooling ourselves inwardly and we're that little boy whistling in the dark, um, just trying to keep, keep his hopes up. Um, that, you know, you know, we all get here in different ways. I'm glad that you found an AA meeting that worked out for you. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, we respect each other's houses. Um, but what it comes down to is getting a sponsor and doing the work. Exactly. And then giving back. Yep. Um, it's all now, you know, my sponsor told me, he said, yeah, the first year is yours. After that, you're giving back, bud. That's it. Mm. Period. Yeah. Um, if you go to a meeting, um, you're there to help newcomers to you. And you open your mouth to you give your experience, strength and hope. I yep. don't want to hear you whining in a meeting that's what i'm for um and he never listened (laughs) (laughs) um so there were a few things in there that i i really enjoyed thank you very much for coming on um that was a yeah that was a that was a fun story to listen to um thank you everybody for listening in and 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 being a part of you know I think we find in life that you know maybe we grew up with different things or maybe our family life was a little different, but we find that our actions tend to be the same. And that's what brings us together. And that's the unity of the program and why it's a we thing and not a me thing. Um, so uh, thank you again for being on uh, and taking your personal time. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. Peace out and have a day.